The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There may be spoilers. This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher, with script assistance by John Ruths, and is narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher. Hello, and welcome to the Watership Down podcast episode 89, in which we will be going through section 28 of the 1978 film, Epilogue and End Credits. As you can hear, I seem to have caught something this week, but my voice is just about holding up. Don't worry, I've tested, and it isn't you-know-what. This episode is being recorded on Remembrance Day here in the UK, as well as in the Commonwealth, Veterans Day in the US. Given the theme, that is quite appropriate. Let us all take a moment to remember the fallen of all wars, regardless of their reasons, because any life lost in a war is a life that could have lived in peace. Life was a bit fraught last week, and as a result I completely forgot to wish those of you who celebrated a happy and safe 5th of November. I hope it was both for you. It seems my one-week delayed calendar is still in full effect. This week I seem to have caught up. I also have one correction from last week. I was a bit under time pressure, and it was an exciting episode. At 12.25, it is Pipkin who re-emerges, not Bigwig. So then, let's finish the 1978 film. Section 28. Epilogue and End Credits. This section covers from 82 minutes 20 to 88 minutes, and the equivalent chapter from the book is the epilogue. General Woundworth's body was never found. The harsh musical theme of the end of the Battle of Watership Down melts away to be replaced by a far gentler one. All that is left on screen is the hazy, beautiful shot of the sun partly hidden by clouds. As the camera zooms in on it, we hear the voice of Michael Horden, who narrated the story of the blessing of Elacrera at the start of the film, and who recently spoke to Hazel as Frith as he approached Nuthanger Farm. Only this time, the sun remains its natural self, untransformed into its stylized manifestation as Frith. Horden informs us, as in the epilogue in the book, that General Woundwart's body was never found. Only in the book it simply refers to him never being seen again, no reference to a body. As in the book, the possibility that he still lives his fierce life elsewhere is mentioned, as is the reference to Woundwart being used as a way of threatening misbehaving rabbit kittens, and how, perhaps, such a monument would not have displeased him. As Horden finishes, the shot of the sun dissolves to a more distant, hazy one that takes in the tree and watership down. It is obviously later in the year, 
well into autumn, perhaps late September or early October. A weed appears in the foreground that has gone to seed. And now, as we cut to a closer shot of the top branches of the tree, we hear the wind blowing through it, no doubt recorded on Warship Down for the film. Leaves start to blow down from the tree as we hear a doe telling the end of the story of the blessing of El the same story that began the film. This is the voice, I think, of Hannah Gordon, who plays Heisenthal, though given what we are about to see, she may not be intended to be Heisenthal on this occasion. As the story continues, the camera pans down the tree, and as it does so, the shot dissolves twice. Once to the tree, bearer of leaves, perhaps in mid-October, as a slightly bleaker wind begins to blow. Then again to the bare branches of November. This reminds us of Pipkin's phrase describing the rabbits of the Warren of the Snares, who knew in their heart of hearts that death was close. As the shot reaches the ground, and the story starts to refer to Frith's promise to the children of Elecherar and their children that they can never be destroyed, we see rabbits of all ages feeding and running by the tree. But they are further off. In the foreground we see an old rabbit, quietly feeding on his own. This is Hazel. He looks up and moves away. A closer shot of him now. His tired eyes have faintly lighter eyebrows to signify his age. The final words of the story are momentarily drowned out by a voice. An echoing voice that calmly says his name. The story ends. Hazel seems not to have heard his name spoken, or has he tried to ignore it? He continues feeding. But now we see a view from slightly behind Hazel into the mist. Close by him we see a spider's web among toadstools in the grass. Out of that mist, the ghostly form of a rabbit is flying. It weaves right, then left, before settling in the air in front of Hazel as just the form of a head that gently bobs up and down and fades in and out of sight. The rabbit asks rhetorically whether Hazel knows him. Hazel replies that he does not. For the briefest moment, the rabbit's head turns black and his eyes red. Then he reverts back to his more naturalistic form. This is the black rabbit of Inlay. But is its more benign form also Elacherra in some way, or just a kinder manifestation of the black rabbit? In any case, Hazel says in an awestruck voice, Yes, my lord. The musical theme that heralded the arrival of Hazel and his companions on their new home on Warship Down begins to play quietly. The Black Rabbit is now a complete body again, who flies left and right as he says he has come to ask if Hazel would like to join his Owsler. We see Hazel's face in close-up as he takes this in. The Black Rabbit is now flying gently around Hazel as he says they would be glad to have him and that he would like it. He adds that he knows Hazel has been feeling tired, that if he is ready they could leave now. Sadly, Hazel turns and looks back at the rabbits under the tree, his people. We see a last shot of them. The black rabbit says not to worry about them, they will be all right, and thousands like them. If Hazel comes along now, he will show him what he means. The black rabbit has been flying further off again down the slope away from the warren. With these final words, he reverts to his head form as he recedes slowly away, wanting Hazel to follow. We see a last close-up of Hazel looking sadly at his warren. 
Then we see him lie down on his side from further off, facing away from them. He breathes heavily, and once more, his ear drops. He doesn't breathe again. The music swells as the body of Hazel seems to darken. And then a ghostly younger Hazel sits up from his body, his eyes bright. He looks around and up. We see his ghostly companion flying in the sky, toadstools in the grass in the foreground, and the voice of Frith is back, repeating his promise to Elechrera. Hazel's ghost leaps off the ground into the sky, leaving his body behind. We see him in the sky as well. As Frith gives his warning about all the world being his enemy, we see both ghostly rabbits swoop into a wooded area further down the slope. Hazel lands for a moment, but the black rabbit flies on as Frith goes on to explain that first they must catch you. The black rabbit reverts to his darker form, rounding a tree as Hazel follows him again. Frith lists the advantages of rabbits. We see Hazel and the black rabbit flying high over the bare tree on Watership Down, no other rabbits can be seen. They fly past it and into the hazy sun. As the camera zooms in on the sun and the music reaches its crescendo, Frith repeats that his people will never be destroyed as the sun transforms gloriously into the pulsating vision of Frith with which we began the film, reversing the transformation of the sun we saw then. The white background is replaced by black, making the beauty of the stylized Frith stand out even more. And then we return to the first shot of the film. Fade to black. Comparison with the book. As so often in the film, Hazel's conversation with his visitor is moved above ground. In the book, this visitor is very clearly intended to be Ella Herrera, as Hazel realises by the sight of the starlight in his ears. However, here he is the Black Rabbit. This works in the film because we have not really encountered the Black Rabbit of the book, along with his terrible Owsler that I cannot imagine anyone would want to join. So here, at the end, the Black Rabbit of Inlay, the Black Rabbit of Death itself isn't so terrible to a Hazel who knows his time has come. So while the idea of Hazel joining the Alzer of Elachrera himself is a beautiful one within the aesthetic set up in the film, this version works well. And the more naturalistic form of the Black Rabbit we see may hint at his being possibly more than just who he appears to be. In the book it is March rather than November. Hazel follows Elachrera outside, where he leaves his body behind, following a rabbit's instinct not to die underground. It is then that he looks at his people and feels energy flowing out of him and into them. Then Elachrera reassures him and invites him to come along and see. They do not fly. They just run away from the warren on warship down through the woods, where the first primroses are beginning to bloom. End credits.
No sooner have we seen Hazel's glorious entry into a heavenly Owsler than we are immersed into the end credits. Don't worry, I won't be reading them out, but the efforts of all those who made this film happen should be acknowledged, so they will be numbered. First, a shot of Watership Down and Nuthanger Farm, with the first credit to producer and director Martin Rosen, the man without whom this film would not exist. At the same time, a strident version of the main theme plays. The cast credits appear with the same picture. This takes two lists, the first of ten actors, and the music begins to soften as the second one appears, this one of eleven actors, including the four female actors and the two black actors. As a clarinet theme, then flute starts, associated with the journey to Watership Down, we dissolve to a picture of the Enborn as the production staff are credited, three men and four women, followed by the three layout artists and four senior animators, all men. The full list of 14 animators next as the music swells into strings, 12 men and 2 women. And now the list of 10 assistant animators, 4 men and possibly 6 women, and female special sequence designer, as the picture is replaced by a dark woodland looking out into open land. We are back to the flute, as 10 background artists are credited, 8 men and 2 women. More swelling strings as trace and paint supervisors, one male and one female, and female colour coordinator is credited. And now a picture of the churchyard as the first 12 trace and paint department are credited, three male, nine probably female. The next 13 of the trace and paint department are credited, two male, 11 probably female. The music is subdued. In 1978, by this point, most people would have left the cinema. Three checking credits, two male, one female, and camera credits, 12 of them, all apparently male. And now the music lifts again towards a muted version of Kihar's theme as we see Nuthanger Farm at night with the lights on. The credits are for the eight editors and mixers, all men. Finally, we arrive at the production company, Nepenthe Productions Limited, at 1 to 8 Whitfield Place, London, W1, England. Copyright Watership Productions Limited. Colour by Technicolor. Sound by Dolby Systems. All rights reserved. MCM LXXVIII meaning 1978. The subdued version of Kihar's theme fades away, fade to black, and the words re-recorded at EMI Studios of Elstree, England. Next time, we take a breath having finished going through not only the first film version of Watership Down, but also, arguably, the Watership Down canon. Mm-hmm.